and welcome to the Fit Zone podcast, Financing International Trade. I'm Catherine Morton, Head of Trade, Treasury and Risk at TXF, and I'm joined here at the ICC Banking Commission annual meeting in Miami by Daniel Schmand. He's Chair of the ICC Banking Commission and Global Head of Trade Finance at Deutsche Bank. Daniel, your three-year term at the ICC Banking Commission is coming to an end. You've had an ambitious agenda. What are you most proud of and what's your biggest regret in terms of developing global trade infrastructure? That's an interesting question. So what I'm most proud of, um, I would say, is um, we today have a clearly defined strategy paper, which took us a while to develop. We have a very clear and, and robust government, uh, governance rules, um, terms of reference. So the way how we interact, the way how we work together um, is now on a, on a very robust basis. I'm also particularly proud in that we have both to the advisory board as well to the EXCO um, added an African bank a representative. Um, we have reached out um, to the Middle East um, and that works extremely um, well for us. Um, what I'm also very proud of is um, the in engagement level we have now um, at the United Nations and the level uh, and, and the likes. Um, the rest, and I don't want to forget to mention that, but we have a good cooperation and partnership with WTO, with BACH, with IFSA, but the new ones is, is, is uh, definitely the level of the United Nations. What I would say um, I, would, I regret the most is that we have not started the successor in trade program, so bringing young talent um, uh, much earlier on the agenda. Um, second point, um, I would say, I don't, wouldn't say I regret, but I'm not 100% satisfied yet, is the level of diversity, um, both from a geographical, but also from a gender perspective, um, on the EXCO and advisory board, also there I believe, we still can do better. One of the main topics of conversation today at the ICC annual meeting has been protectionism in global trade. How much of a real threat is protectionism to global trade? I mean, it's, it's, it's proven that protectionism is a threat um, to um, global trade. However, and, and that is, um, and history has shown that it's mostly a threat to the countries who drive the protectionism because there are unintended um, consequences, there are retaliation and, 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 and what you have. Um, what I would say is the tariffs and protectionism itself um, one could deal with. What always is the biggest issue for promoting trade and prosperity is uncertainty. And um, having those, um, I call it um, poisoned cocktail between rising protectionism and more and more using also sanctions uh, as a kind of Cold War instrument um, is not good for the level of confidence and therefore not good for trade. Another point the ICC Banking Commission has been suggesting is that trade is not risky. Has this been helpful or not for the sector? The headline was that the ICC Banking Commission confirms trade and export finance are not risky business. But there have been some criticisms that this may cause challenges for the industry's development among investors and regulators. I would say we, we need to distinguish here is um, for trade finance being not 
risky and we need to differentiate between the financial risk and the non-financial risk. So if we look at the trade register as it is set up today, it clearly makes a statement to how from a financial, so from a credit risk perspective, trade finance is a low risk product. So that's proven, the statistics has proven, and it is, has helped to get greater attention by institutional investors um, who are looking into the asset class trade finance from a different perspective now. Now let's pause here and look at then the second element, the non-financial risk. And we just had the discussion on the advisory board um, in what shape and form um, do we enhance the register uh, through the element of also collecting data and evidence on non-financial risk. So that we have then both segments is what is the financial risk impact and what is the non-financial risk impact. And I think once we have both data together, then you could make a bold statement and saying trade finance from both perspectives is low risk. But the second to be proven um, by data. Interesting. The non-financial risk, how would you define that? It's around, it's around fraud in particularly, if you look at the, the if, and that's, that's, you can ask any trade financier, the biggest risk actually to, to um, trade is, is fraud. And I think the most recent and most prominent example is uh, Punjab Bank case. So, I, and now you can argue and you always need to dig into the details what and why this happened, but um, anything, any fraudulent mind is a threat to trade finance. That leads on quite nicely to the next question. Do you think de-risking correspondent bank relationships is over now because there's an element of demarketing? Do you think now is a good time to be rebuilding correspondent bank relationships? What's hindering that? I, I wish I could um, confirm it is, it is over. Um, I think um, at least I think we've, we've seen it, it, it bottoming out. Um, will there be a, a second wave to be seen? from a pure commercial, and, and, and I speak for the Banking Commission as such, and the banks represented is, we would love to expand and grow the corresponding banking relationships, but it comes at a cost, and it comes also um, the regional and local banks um, following the Wolfsburg's principles, following the KYC, the money laundering, um, the TFAT, um, requirements in, in a very stringent way. So my hope is um, that we will um, see um, a further expansion of relationships, um, but that's a two-way story, both from, from the international banks as well as the local banks. Leading on from that, what's the biggest challenge for banks delivering trade finance in de-risk markets? I would put it put the question a little bit around. I mean, what is the challenge for de-risk markets to get access to trade finance? Because um, if you have taken a decision, you are not going to bank a certain market or um, a certain region or what you have on. You've taken that decision, and then it's the challenge for that area to get access to um, liquidity and and to trade finance. I still um, be of the opinion that that is a field where the international development banks uh, can and will 
play a more uh, prominent and stronger role. So um, financing transactions with the support of an ADB, um, African Development Bank, um, IFC, um, is easier than do, doing it on, on a standalone basis. So I think um, if you can, can come to even closer and better cooperations between commercial banks and multilateral banks, that would help to um, make certain geographies or countries um, even more bankable. That is even so true for certain client segments. Some of the multilaterals will say, hang on banks, we haven't got capacity necessarily to do it ourselves. You should be stepping up as well. I think it's, it's, it's a joint, joint effort and a, uh, um, a joint approach. Having said that, I would argue it is clearly within the mandate of a development bank to support and help where there is the biggest need or the biggest gap of, of um, providing trade finance and access to financing slash um, liquidity. There's been a lot said that we are moving on from traditional letters of credit, but when you speak to some corporate treasurers using LCs, they complain that certain in issuing banks are using the perverse incentive of discrepancies as a standard technique for delaying payments. And actually, the LC itself is a fabulous tool for international trade and it should be promoted. What's to stop the technique being used to slow the development of new technologies? There's this incentive that banks don't necessarily want to pay out, so they're using that delaying technique, which could still happen with something like blockchain. I, I, I still struggle to, to, to understand that argument. Why is that? Is, is what is the incentive for a bank to pay late? So if I would be then the importer of goods and advise my bank and saying, look, there are some discrepancies, I as an importer then need to vet them and say, okay, not okay. That's then the vetting process, which might take faster or longer. And then there might be an interest of the, um, the importer to pay a little bit later. The bank itself should have no interest and or no economic benefit of paying late. So I, 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 I actually don't see that. Yeah. I guess it's not your bank then. <laughs> yeah, but but even even if I would do it in, in, in our bank on industry, what would be my benefit? I need to carry on an open transaction, need to track it on a daily basis, um, need to follow up. Why do when and it's a it's a manual process. Yeah. Why would why would why do I want to do that? Uh, the best thing is documents come, you debit, you credit, case closed. So from an operational burden from, from handling it smooth, I as a bank are even incentivized to, to pay, close, move on, than having a pending um, file. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about the future of global trade and where's your optimism or pessimism coming from? It's, 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 a, it's a bit of a, a, a tale of two stories or two cities, if you, whatever you want to call it. If I look at, at initiatives like One Road, One Belt, I'm super optimistic. Uh, if I look also how that feeds into Africa, how also like emerging markets, we heard that earlier, including Nigeria, Angola developing, it's actually positive. If you look like how Latin America is developing, 
very positive. So there is there's a lot of, of positive um, um, elements. And then I would cluster the big group, and we touched on that earlier, is the geopolitical tension and uncertainty. And you can include sanctions here and there, the protectionism, the US-America story. That is, that is a bit, bit worrying. So there's, there's a lot of positive, but there are also some signs of warning and caution. Thanks, Daniel. You've been listening to the Fit Zone podcast, Financing International Trade. I'm Catherine Morton from TXF. Thanks for listening and join us next time.